Hey, 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 welcome back to the Slay Less Show. This is season two, episode two. Today we're talking about capitalism and how it affects romantic relationships. So as you've been following me on Instagram, um, my Instagram handle is at the Slay Less Show. Uh, I've been doing a series through on and off throughout the summer and into the fall and just kind of posting routinely about capitalism and its effects and how it affects us socially, culturally, economically, just the different things and different ways that capitalism kind of complicates our lived experiences. And so today what I want to talk about is specifically how capitalism affects romantic relationships. So today I invited a very special guest. My big sister is here to help us dissect and dive into the information. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Hey everybody, I'm Christina Graham Moses, Celeste's big sister. I'm happy to be here tonight. Uh, tell us more about yourself. You have, you I'd like to, uh, have any creative endeavors? <laughs> um, I have a few ideas, not concrete at the moment. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm a mother. I work full time starting school in January and, uh, that's about it. <laughs> okay. Has a wealth of life experiences to come and share with us here today. Okay. So let's go ahead and just dive right into the first question. Um, how does capitalism and its emphasis on money influence romantic relationships? Do you think finances, conversations about money, credit, do they have a place in relationships? Should these conversations be had when you're potentially pursuing a relationship? I know that's a long question, but the purpose is I want you to really just kind of like dive in it mm-hmm. and tell me, tell me everything. Um, I definitely think capitalism influences romantic relationships simply for the fact that we have to spend money on anything that we do especially when you're just starting out in a relationship, you're in the dating phase. The courting process. Yeah, you're going out, you have to spend money. Um, Then when you move to the next phase, if you do with that person, um, when y'all become a couple, you spend money to maintain that. Um, Some couples move in together. That might mean moving closer together if you live in different cities. That costs money. Yeah, okay. Um, When you take your relationship to the next level, marriage or having a child that costs money Children definitely cost money oh yeah <laughs> marriage too you know people place so much emphasis on the actual ceremony that costs a lot of money so money definitely plays uh, a big factor okay so you mentioned uh the courting phase mm-hmm. and you mentioned marriage these are obviously two very, and you mentioned relationships these are obviously very three distinct stages within a relationship um assuming that a relationship is ever even going to get to marriage. So what I want to ask you now is do you think that people are kind of like socialized to think money has to play a role in a relationship? Like how do we socialize to think that courting has to involve money, um, marriage has to involve money? Like I think a common, a common idea, especially in our culture and cultures around the world, especially when you look at the institution and history of marriage, you don't marry somebody when you're broke. You're told, and women in particular are told not to marry somebody who is broke. That's true. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, yeah, especially I like to focus on marriage because I've been married. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, just even the beginning, the engagement, a ring. A it ring does cost, yeah. costs money. And, you know, the popular opinion is that a man should spend three months' salary on an engagement ring. Oof. Chess. That's oh, that's a lot of money. That's like pushing. It's like ten thousand dollars. Yeah. at a minimum. And then it just, you know, going forward on top, what type of wedding you want to have, that costs money. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so <clears throat> can you imagine a future where relationships aren't so centered on money and aren't so centered on finances? Um, can you imagine, I mean, to you, for you personally, can you imagine what that looks like? And if you can, what does it look like to you and for you? Um, that's, that's kind of hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Simply for the fact that we've grown up, you know, in a capitalist culture. I mean, in the U.S., everything revolves around money. But if that were to happen, if we were able to shift... Um, into a culture where that wasn't needed, I mean, we'd have to sacrifice a lot. There would be no engagement ring. There would be no lavish wedding. 
there would be no honeymoon or you know what what we think that that looks like now mm-hmm. um we'd have to go back it's like back in the day you know <laughs> they did stuff simple like very rudimentary like yeah. uh, like almost like like prehistoric when, they, when money yeah. wasn't the system when people like bartered bartered goods. and traded and stuff like that so <laughs> rocks for services and stuff okay yeah. So I let me answer this. Let me. I guess let me go ahead and dive into the question myself. Um, oh, okay, it popped up on my phone. Ah. <laughs> okay, so do I think that capitalism uh, places a very or, or that money plays a very large role in relationships? I have to say that yes, it does, um, and often not in a very positive way. Mm. So part of the countdown that I did um, this past two months. I specifically talked about capitalism and marriage. I've never been married, but when you look up the word marriage, first off, you see the word union. So it's a union between two people. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're, you know, everything that we that we know, all of our construction of knowledge is stuff that we're socialized to believe in, socialized to think. And so money does play a very large role in relationships. But every time you look up the word family, the words family and the words marriage, you see a huge emphasis on money. Mm-hmm. You see a huge emphasis um, on the phrase financial stability or like um, one I saw was like financial conjoinment. Oh, yeah. Conjoinment. And so I think that you're absolutely, we're absolutely, absolutely taught and encouraged to believe that, uh, you know. It's almost like we're conditioned that money has to play a role. Yeah, I would actually, no, we're definitely conditioned to think that money plays a role in relationships. Um, I think this is really especially true for men, and especially true when we think about, like, gender stereotypes as far as women continuously being taught not to date men that are broke. Mm-hmm. And I have I have very uh, radical thoughts about that. So first <laughs> off, it is a commonly accepted fact, and this is just common, a common, this is a fact, women don't get paid the same as men. So when I say, when we talk about women pursuing relationships for the sake of like being with the best person that could potentially provide for them, there's so much to unpack. First of all, I think women don't have equal access. I mean, today we still have, we, we have more access than we've probably ever had, but we haven't always had equal access to the same career opportunities that men have. Therefore, we don't have access to the same type of level of education. And in America and in most of the modern uh, Western world, Education determines your ability to earn money. Mm-hmm. So if women don't have access to education right there, they're already placing themselves a few levels lower than men in respect to being able to earn money and earn capital and build you know, equity and assets financially. So I can't really say I feel bad if a woman pursues a man that has money because women don't make the same amount of money. And if we're talking about survival, People are conditioned to make decisions based off of what they need to do best for their survival. Like yeah. they always say, you breed, like, you know, even when we talk about children, this is like, I hate this, but don't breed with somebody who's broke. <laughs> don't have kids with somebody who's broke. And it's like because you want to have children with someone, because children are especially expensive, mm-hmm. you want to have children with someone who is, you know, <laughs> can provide, provide for your kids. Yeah. That can provide yeah. for your kids. Yeah. So um, you talk about credit, you talk about even pursuing a relationship. Um, One of the questions, and this is, I guess, honestly, if we had a man here, I could probably ask him this question because I think men are conditioned also to pursue relationships more than women are. Like Mm -hmm. women don't typically, are not traditionally conventionally taught to pursue a relationship in line of like you go after the man. So I, I am curious to like know, have men neglected pursuing relationships because they didn't have money I, i've no i know a couple of guys who have i know a couple of guys who've neglected like getting into serious relationships and like marrying somebody because they're like oh i can't afford a ring or i can't mm-hmm. afford to buy a house mm-hmm. and these are the things that are commonly accepted that you would need to start you know like a serious like to you know start a family with someone or start a serious relationship with someone so um me personally i remember being in college and college culture is so toxic because you be on, especially, and I was in college during the age of Twitter when Twitter was like at its mm-hmm. height. And Twitter is a hot ass mess wasteland, <laughs> a bullshit just floating around, all these like crazy ideas about people's social roles and mm-hmm. gender roles. And, um, you know, I think young women are socialized to go to college and you get a boyfriend. We don't want to get a boyfriend who's broke, but everybody's broke in college. 
Niggas True. ain't got jobs. Niggas no. ain't got money. Like, literally, people are piecing together their next meal. Exactly. So I always thought that was really interesting in so much as that that's what women are told to think about men. And men are told to think about themselves, like to measure your worth in money, cars, clothes, and hoes. Mm-hmm. So especially at that stage in life, you're thinking about the fact that all the things that you're measuring your worth or by are materialistic things, the quantifiable things like how many girls can I pull? Mm-hmm. How much money do I have? What kind of car do I have? And all these things combined assist your ability to effectively pursue someone else, right? Or pursue a relationship with someone. And no one's going to necessarily want you if you're like, you know, broke-ass Steve who <laughs> is taking 18 hours and can't afford to do his laundry because he's so broke and can't afford to, like, take me to, like, KFC or something like yeah. that. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next uh, question. So when you personally enter into a relationship, and I guess we can say we can talk about pursuing relationships because women do pursue relationships. Yeah. I don't typically do that because I'm shy when it comes to that. I don't, I don't pursue. I get pursued. <laughs> not like to say like, an, like I get pursued, but like I just. Uh, You'd rather no. let them come to you. I do. And I have some thoughts about that, too. I think that because of the way that people, men and women and gender stereotypes work and the way we're socialized, think about gender. I think it means more if a man does pursue me personally. Yeah. Like I will pursue a man. In some instances, but usually not, just because that's just not even my personal style. Mm-hmm. But in regard to, like, if you were to pursue a relationship or enter into a relationship in any circumstance, what are the things financially that you keep an eye out? Like, what are some things that you're looking for? What are some things that raise red flags for you? Um, well, and I go by this to this day. Our dear mother told me this when you look for a potential Boyfriend, what he a needs to have say. three things: <laughs> a job, a car, and his own place. Baseline, baseline <laughs> requirements for me. Yeah, um, because I just, you know, that kind of um, it's less complicated. Mm-hmm. If you're dating a man with a car, without a car, and you have a car. It kind of makes it complicated because then at some point you're going to feel obligated to give him a ride or let him use your car. Mm-hmm. But if he has his own, that's not an issue. On to the point of him having his own place, he won't be asking to come stay with you if he has his own place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If he has his own job, he should have those things. You know what I'm saying? If he, he has a ne- good job, because yeah. let's like... Well, even if he has a job and he has roommates, he still has a place to stay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it just varies by the person. Case by case scenario for sure. Okay. I would say the same. Um, For what I personally look for, um, I would say definitely the same. Like, for sure, you at least have to have a job. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be making some money. Yeah. Because I think ultimately what I look for in a relationship is a partnership. Like, you don't even necessarily have to make the most or make as much as I do. Um, but I, when I say I, that you have to have a job, I also look at the type of job that you're working. So are you working a dead-end job? Right. Are you working a job that if you got injured tomorrow, that's your job? It's over. Like, it's over, yeah. Are you working a job where you make enough to potentially save? Because that's important, too. Like, if mm-hmm. we're entering into a relationship, moving it down the line of progression to maybe becoming very serious with each other, anything happens, you slip up and get pregnant, Savings are handy. You know, we have rent to pay. Mm-hmm. We have car notes to pay. We have a medical child to bills. take care of, medical bills. Like, life definitely is very, very expensive in a very depressing-ass way. But this is the truth. Like, you have a lot of things to pay for in life. And I think that for me, just having a job is not enough. And I think also that's probably influenced by the fact that, like, I do 150% for almost everything like, it's not enough that, you know, I'm 27, I have a six-month-old, and I'm getting a PhD. I'm like, I should have had my PhD two years ago. <laughs> like, I'm very, very hard on myself. So I think that also plays a role in how I look at my potential partner. I'm like, you know, like, you need to light a fire under your ass. You need to be, like, striving. Even if you're not doing the same thing that I'm doing, to just have a job is not necessarily enough because the occasion is going to rise in the future where you're going to need more than that. Mm-hmm. I also look at the world that we live in. We live in an age where black people in particular 
don't have access to the same thing that other people have. People of color, That's like I work, I teach at a school where I teach boys who are mostly black and Hispanic and I tell them every day, like, you know, the world is tough. Mm -hmm. Like you have to prepare yourself for the unexpected and the expected, for the strange, for the unseen, the unheard of, because at any given moment in time, you're gonna have to, you may have to rise to the occasion and rising to the occasion could potentially mean financially or in any way, but mm -hmm. I think that ultimately you have to prepare yourself for the things that could potentially arise, and especially, especially, especially when you have children. Yeah. Kids need shit all the time. All the time. All the time. And I have a baby. She's expensive. I love her. She's my broke best friend. Shoot, but, I just have to come out of pocket today to get yes, me some more shoes. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> formula is fucking expensive. Yeah. Like I go into the store routinely and drop $200 on shit for Celeste. And sometimes you don't even mean to, but you're just like, oh. They need that. They need this. Or they need that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that for them. And I mean, I th even if you don't have kids, like that's life in general. Like what if yeah. you have a car, something happens to your car? Yeah. What if, you know, you do have to go into the, I mean, even if you have insurance, you have copays, you have mm -hmm. something that you have to pay for, you have medicine that you have to pay for. Yep. So it's just one of those things where life happens all the time. And like, I honestly believe you have to put yourself in the best possible position to prepare yourself. Now, I think this is different from having a job and having these things or you, or you have, you have like the baseline things and you haven't gotten to where you want to be yet. And you have, like, you're working mm -hmm. and putting in place. Because everything takes time. Like, nothing happens overnight. Especially everything that's worth having. I think that you have to put in a certain level of work to actually get there. And my thing has always been, I don't have no patience. So I'm working on that. That's my own internal battle. <laughs> is to pray and to really ask God to give me patience. Because, you know, everything is a process and you have to start somewhere. But my thing is like, you have to start and you have to like actually be working towards the progress. Even if you're crawling, mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, build up your stamina so that one day you can run and you can get to the finish line and actually accomplish what you want to have. So that's always my thing when I think about relationships, it's just like, you know, okay, cool. So what are you doing? Like, what yeah. are you preparing yourself for? What What's, do you have ambition? Do you have that drive? Mm-hmm. You have a means to get there, mm -hmm. like a means to an end. Okay. All right, so we kind of already talked about this question, but let's dive into it some more, and let's really flesh it out. Do you think more financial pressures are placed on men or women? And please explain why. Mm. Uh, <laughs> women, definitely. You think more financial pressure is placed on women? Yes. First of all, they, today, in 2018, women only make 80% of what men make. That's white women. We no, make 66%. All women. Well, over... Oh, I'm talking about in general. Yeah. All women. Uh... 80% of what a man makes. 79.6 cents to every man's dollar. So that right there. But see, that's. What I'm saying? But see, even that, that's what the higher earning women make because that's a spectrum. Like 79 cents is like women who are educated, white women. Okay. So, so even black women, women are not that, yeah, we're making not like educated. less than that shit. Right. Then we have finances that men don't have. We have to pay for well women exams every couple of years. Mm -hmm. Birth control, if we want to be on that. Yeah. Most of the time, women are the ones who buy contraception, like condoms. Which is a shame. You know? Um, we have to pay for pads, tampons, other stuff like that. I mean, I feel like we do have a more of a financial burden. Yeah. And I then, you know, if we get pregnant and the man wants to walk away, we're left with the child, that is a financial burden. Yeah. When you think of it, when you talk about it that way, I actually wasn't thinking about the question in that regard, but I'm glad you opened up that line of discussion because I think that's very absolutely true. I think um, I think that's hyper, hyper relevant yeah. to black women in particular because of the fact that we do pay for a lot and black women don't earn as much as this is the thing, is like black women don't even earn as much as white women. And we no, don't earn we as don't. we definitely don't earn as much as white men. So we have what's crazy is we all have the same expenses. Yep. I pay the same amount of rent that my white male neighbor pays, mm -hmm. but I don't make nearly as much as he does for probably doing the same shit. It's true. So I think I definitely think that financial pressures are definitely on women. Um, in that regard, the fact that we have a lot more to pay for personally, that, you know, literally our government is the Republican Party, Donald Trump and his uh, his his cronies are just like really trying to strip away all the legislation in our insurance packages that would actually pay for birth control, mm -hmm. that would pay for pre-existing uh, pre conditions. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that definitely affects women. That yeah. definitely is a reproductive justice issue in the fact that that burden, absolutely, that financial burden, not only the health burden, but that financial burden absolutely falls onto the shoulders and heads of women. Yeah. Um, I think when we talk about contraception, the fact that we usually women are the ones pursuing birth control, um, even when you talk about like tubules and like getting your tubes tied, that's expensive. Expensive. It's extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. A lot of insurance don't actually cover that. Nope. Um, whereas men, you know, you don't like they don't even think about getting vasectomies. That's not even a discussion, not even a question that you would like even why would I do that? You can get I've only known I know very few men who have actually gone through with a vasectomy. I don't know any, but that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> um, so when, when we talk about this question, do you think more financial pressure placed on men or women? Please explain why. So from another standpoint, I think men are pressured a lot because of gender stereotypes to be the breadwinners in the home and to be the ones that make the most money, even if that's not necessarily the case. And I think in a lot of black families that isn't the case because when you look at the, uh, the rates of education for black women, like we're soaring. Yeah, black women are popping. Like we are starting businesses, entrepreneurship, creating like multi-million dollar brands, going to school and literally getting degrees. Like everybody I went to college with, like I don't, I know very few people who didn't graduate. I know so many women who have master's degrees. I'm the first one out of like my whole little group of people that I know who's pursuing a doctorate degree. I know some other black women who are, mm -hmm. um, but also like I kind of feel like I'm like you know. The maverick, the one who's like, I want to go do it now. Everybody else is like, I'm going to get there one day. I'm doing it. I'm probably going to do it in my 30s. I'm like, no, I want it by the time I'm 30. Well, everybody's so, drive is different. You know? everybody's, everybody's drive is different. But I say that to say this is that I think especially um, within relationships, especially for black people, I think that there is a lot of pressure on black men to provide and to have um, – a certain level of capital and I see I see a lot of men I've seen this happen so many times I've seen a lot of men fall into like doing illegal shit to make up oh yeah definitely. the money that they don't have like yeah selling drugs get it by shit. any means and I'm just kind of like you know I I get that you need money or is it that you like it's you know you have to ask that question is it that you need money that you want money or like what are you willing to do to get money because my thing is like while money is important, we need it for our everyday survival. Like, don't risk your freedom for that shit. Like, goddamn, like, don't risk your freedom for. I know you it's know. easy for you to say that though, but have you been in that man's shoes who has six kids and can't get a job because he's a felon? And I mean, what is he supposed to do? No, I can't. And that's that's the whole point I'm making is that I think men definitely face that pressure, and I mm -hmm. think uh, I think you have to kind of look at it from an intersectional lens, like you know, you're black, you're a man, if you potentially are a felon or you have anything else stacked against you, the odds. I mean, the fact that we're black, like, people can look at us and readily be like, oh, yeah, you're black. That's already, like, and just considering pass you ask, that's yeah. people are going to pass judgment on that yeah. because that's society and the culture that we live in. Yep. It's deeply, deeply steeped in racism and stereotypes. And, you know, um, I think that that plays a very large role in why so many men kind of succumb to that pressure to get money by any means necessary and to do whatever it takes to get money. And I think there's this trend now with like black people where we're talking about financial planning and we're talking about financial literacy a lot more, but I still think there's this really huge emphasis on money that's kind of almost unhealthy. Like, yeah. um, do whatever you can to get it. You gotta get the money, like do whatever you can to do. Mm -hmm. you gotta, even like, if it's illegal. Even if it's illegal. Um, I see a lot now with young black people talking about investing in stocks and why I think all that is great. I think that the whole basis of capitalism is like, you know, you want more money, you see you can buy more shit. So you can buy more shit that you don't necessarily need. And I'm always questioning within these financial literacy circles and these black wealth circles, Cool. So once we get this money, what are we doing with it? Exactly. Are, are we putting we, it back into our community? Are we yeah, helping like, our children? What's what what's doing? like what's what's the end goal if we're and I'm like I'm not knocking anybody's hustle by any mean like by all means I understand that people need money because you I would never sit there and say that money is not important. First off, we grew up poor. Yeah. So I know money is important. important. I know what money, I know what it feels like to not have money yeah. and to be like, oh, like I can't do this. I don't have access to that. Like, how am I going to pay for college? Like, mm -hmm. I'm about to go into a bunch of debt. Like, I know like exactly what that feels like. But I also think that at the end of the day, we have to build black wealth in a sustainable way to where it's also helping the greater black community. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the next question. All right. 
Okay. So we kind of talked about this, but I want to go into more uh, detail. What are financial deal breakers for you, and where do you think a person should be financially before beginning or pursuing a relationship? So we kind of already talked about that, but let's revisit that whole dialogue and topic. Financial deal breakers. Um. Financial deal breaker for me um, would be, I don't know if I can really say this, but maybe somebody who has a lot of debt. When you say a lot of debt, because I, I want the average college grad. <laughs> I'm not talking about student loan debt. This college are coming out with a good um, cool 200000 damn near. Or, you know, somebody who's spending all their money on drugs. Well, drugs would be the deal breaker too, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, definitely. But, I mean, obviously... If they're on drugs, they're gonna be spending money on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay, let's talk about debt. So when you say like a lot of debt, why specifically would that be a deal breaker for you? Well, debt and they're not trying to take care of it. Mm -hmm. Like they're just really complacent about it. They don't wanna deal with it. Eventually you're gonna have to deal with your debt. It's going to prevent you from doing things that you want to do, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, everybody has some debt. Yeah. You know, especially college grads. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I think that that's um, going to be what eventually, like, crumbles our economy is because people are coming out with, like, four-year degrees, mm -hmm. which used to be special. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a four-year degree, even though, like, I, I think you're better off with it than you are without it. Um you're coming out with so much debt that people are coming out and they're getting jobs and they're making, first off, we're not even getting paid as much as we should be. Like no. if you if you look at wage increases over the past 30 years, there virtually haven't been any, but the cost of living keeps skyrocketing. Like it's super, super high yes. to exist nowadays. Like just to like, you know, have the most basic shit like an apartment. They say it's a national crisis for people no, who for sure. affordable housing. Uh, housing is definitely a crisis. Yeah. Um, school loans are a crisis. But when you talk about that, people are coming out with these degrees and they're going and getting jobs but the whole way the economy works that you're able to put your money back into the economy by making like actual real purchases like buying a house, mm -hmm. like buying a car. But because people are so broke, they can't do that. They people are moving home with their parents and mm -hmm. living with them for like five years just to get, you know, a little bit of an upper leg to go out into the world and do like the most basic things that 20 years ago you would have been able to do. Like I always see this meme floating around Instagram where like, you know, the baby boomers always talk shit about us and talk about how like we're lazy and we're not shit and we can't do shit and we'll never be shit. And like this is the same generation they could have, you know, they could work their way at a, they could, you know, work at McDonald's and pay their way through law school. Mm -hmm. They could wash dishes at night and pay their way through med school. They could work in a library and pay their way through college, mm -hmm. you know. Like the the examples are literally endless of people who were able to do that 20, 30 years ago. Or they get out of college and work a job for 20 or 30 years and retire with a pension. With a pension and the pension would have been enough. Like they're telling us now, like, you know, I work for DISC, I'm a teacher, and they're telling us now, like I have retirement, well, they're like, they routinely send out emails, you need to sign up for an additional 403B because your retirement's not gonna be enough. Like your retirement's not gonna really be shit. Like, you know, your retirement, after you retire, you'll be able to use that for maybe 10, 15 years. And then you're gonna have to go back to work? <laughs> like, you, to work you, you know how many people I know who have retired and come back to work, and that shit is so depressing to me. Even at my job, and I work at Hobby Lobby, a retail store. And I have a lot, I work with a lot of people over the age of 50 and 60 that have had to come back to work because they can't afford to be in retirement. And that's like really, really depressing and really sad and pathetic to me. And then you think about all the cuts that the government's making to Social Security and to like Medicaid. Yeah. I'm like, how are people supposed to survive? Yeah. Like, how are, how are people supposed to like make it? But how are, they, it, my thing is, how are they making cuts to like Medicare? Like, they took $2 billion away from Medicare that you've paid into your whole career, working career, but now they're taking it away My from you. My thing is like, how are they taking away Social Security? We exactly. pay into that too. And they're telling us that by the time we retire, ain't gonna be no Social Security. So I hope you save up enough money because exactly. ain't no retirement ain't for us. Ain't no retirement. So I, I think about these things. It really makes me hate the Republican Party even more than I already do. But um, yeah, I I think, what let's, let's revisit our question. So like when we talk about money, and talk about deal breakers. What kind of spending habits would you want your partner to have? Responsible spending habits. Like, and I struggle with this in my relationship now. 
pay the bills first. Mm-hmm. That should, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Don't wait. Don't put it off. If you have the money, pay the bill. So then you don't have to worry about it later. It doesn't add up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Responsible spending habits. Um, some level of saving. Like, you can't spend all of your money. I mean, sometimes I know you have to because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. The bills need to be paid. There needs to be food on the table. But if you can save, you need to try to plan for that. Yeah, I definitely think I agree with that. Even um, if it's just five bucks here and there, 20 bucks here and there, you got you have to save because you never know when there's going to be a rainy day. And I've had a lot of rainy days lately. Yeah, and if I didn't have before. any savings, I would be screwed. Yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about, you said that you can't be to spend your money on everything. Talked about spending habits. Any other deal breakers potentially for you? Like what things that you just like, mm, fuck that, no. No, it's just being responsible with your money, not spending it to excess. Like every payday you don't have to go out and buy something. What about what you spend your money on? What do you mean? Like specific examples like uh, say, you know, you get a check and you go out and buy $1,000 worth of shoes. Which, you know, really is not that hard to do if you think about it. Like, $1,000 worth of shoes ain't that hard. That's like, what, like six pairs of shoes? Well, it depends on where you buy them at. It depends <laughs> on where you buy it does. It does. Like, and I'm, I'm, when I say this, I'm saying, like, you're buying them retail price. Yeah, like, yeah. not, you know, on sale or some shit like that. I mean, is that really needed, though? And I think that's another thing that you talk about, like, really thinking about Do needs. I really need this? Do you need six pairs of shoes Seriously. at one time? And that just... From my perspective, just thinking about the world and how many poor people there are out there, it's just excessive. It's excessive. I think um, you said something very profound there, especially since we're talking about capitalism. Kind of like when we're talking about money, assessing what you need and what you don't actually need. Yeah. Because I, I think to myself, like, going out and spending, like, a stack on shoes and clothes. And I like to shop. You know I like to shop. I like clothes. I, and I like shoes. And I... I have no problem going wherever and dropping you a few hundred if I want some clothes. If, you know, I feel like it's reasonable to do so at that mm-hmm. time. That's not going to, like, stop me from paying my bills. But I think you said something really important about, you know, the, the world that we live in and so many people not having the most basic things they need for survival and you spending money on shit that just doesn't really matter. And while I absolutely believe in your your autonomy to spend your money, the, the, the money that you earn, right. the way that you want to, right. I do think we have to really kind of talk about why is it necessary to do that. And capitalism is all about marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel the need to spend all that money on those shoes? Like, what have you seen? Like, what influences? What triggered you? Triggered you to have yeah. to go and do that? Especially since, you know, we live in the age of, like, social media and we see... I think social media can be very, very empowering, but I also think social media can serve as this tool where, like, you're looking at things and you're looking at images over and over again. You're like, dang, I want that. Mm-hmm. Damn, those pants are really cute. Yeah. Damn, her hair is really fly. Now I want some bundles. Damn, I really like that. Damn, that car is nice. And so in your mind, you don't really, like, think about it right then, but psychologically you're, like, literally creating a shopping list in your mind mm-hmm. of either shit that you want to buy, shit you realize you don't have, and you're going to start creating this need in yourself to go buy. Yep. And, you know, just so on and so forth. Financial deal breakers for me. You know, I can't stand a motherfucker that goes and has fun before they, play their, before they pay their bills. That's I really can't stand that. And I look at that and it legitimately, I can't stand people who let bills pass by mm-hmm. and you go out and do all this extra shit and you didn't pay the bills. And exactly. you knew you had to pay the bill. Yeah. You knew you had to pay the bill, but you didn't spend the money on the stuff that you had to pay you spent the money that you had to pay that you were going to use for your bills. Yeah. And so I really, really hate people who do that because I feel like, you know, that's like other level irresponsible. It is. Like, you knew you had to pay your damn rent. Like, what are you doing? And you knew how much, you know it's the same every month. And you know you need somewhere to lay your head. That's my thing. It's like, you know you need a car. Mm-hmm. You know you need to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. You have to, have to pay your phone bill. You know you need a roof over your head. And you know you need your electricity and your water. Like, you know you need those, at least those. What did and I you list need food. And you need food. You, you need, need those food. five things. Yeah. You have to have those things. So anything else to me is secondary. And, like, for me, I feel like, you know, I always budget in my mind for whatever I spend. I'm like, okay, if I spend this $200 on clothes, can I do that? All right, cool, I can do that. I can spend $200 on clothes and still be okay because mm-hmm. everything else will be taken care of. But I can't stand, I literally, like, and I watch it. I've seen it happen so many times. I'm just like, I cannot 
stand people who do that. And I would never want to be in a relationship with somebody who does that. Well, I was. I was married to one. I can't stand <laughs> that shit. I uh-uh. legitimately, like, look at it. I'm like, why? What it's are just, you doing? It's, it's irresponsible, and it's inconsiderate to the person that you're with. I, th- I think so, too, especially when you consider relationships, especially if you're, like, uh, like cohabitation, mm-hmm. and y'all have bills that mm-hmm. y'all are paying together, and, like, now you can't pay your half the bills because you it's wouldn't fuck your money off. It's unacceptable. Like, I can't, I really legitimately can't stand that. I hate it. i also say this. Um, I am, I really watch what people spend their money on, too. Mm-hmm. Like your spending habits. Like first off, how do you spend your money and then what do you spend your money on? Because I think a lot of the time if you're just like randomly buying shit you don't need. Like I hate people who buy like, this used to really annoy me with our grandfather. He just had so much <laughs> shit he didn't need in that house. <laughs> I'll just look around his house and I just be like, what is all this shit? Well, I think that, you know, that was partly in fact to the, he was kind of losing it. Because he had like four Playstations when he died. Yeah, like he had like. Like, who needs that many PlayStations? Like whole, you can like, only play one at a time. Having, like, Shasta soda. And I'm just like, yeah. why do you have, like, just stuff like that. And I think but that. But um, you do have to think about the era that they grew up in. They mm-hmm. were born right after the Depression. So they grew up. Everything they They were born they in had. the Depression, girl. 1931. Was it born, in the Depression? Yeah, that's when it started. It started in 1929. So, you know, those people, they kept everything they had. They they held on to that's it. That's important. I'm glad you said that because I think, um. I think poverty plays a big role in how people spend their money, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think we have good spending habits. I think we have okay spending habits. I think that we have really good work ethic. But if you look at mom, and I think a lot of this is due to the fact that, like, she was sick and she had to use a lot of her savings. But mom didn't never really have savings when we grew up, if you ever noticed that. No, she didn't. She didn't ever really have savings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there are so many different factors that you can talk about and dissect when you think about that. Because she was sick and she used a lot of her money to, like, get through the daily, like, necessities of life. But I always looked at that as, like, why don't you have, like, in my mind today, I think that's why I I still, to this day, I'm just now, like, the past couple of years, realizing why you need to save Mm -hmm. and why saving money is important. And Mm -hmm. it's because, you know, when you grow up with parents who are not financially stable, and a lot of black parents, because of just our traditions and the culture that we have with capitalism, with wealth, you don't see a lot of black families that have savings because of the poverty that's so pervasive within black communities. Yeah. I think also that, like, um, I think grandpa was a really good example for someone who knew how to, like, he had a lot of shit he didn't need, but he was never broke. Never. Not ever broke. Like, he had. No, he did know how to save his money. He knew how to save his money. And I thought that was always really, really important and really cool. Now, he used to, like, you know, kind of encourage us to save our money. And I never did because I, like, felt like I didn't need to because I was a kid. But, you know, I think it's really important to, like, teach our children to save their money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, start them a college fund or a trust fund or just have them, like, put a piggy bank. Like, have them have a piggy bank that they have and also have a piggy bank that they can't see yep. that you're putting money into yep. for them yep. so that they understand, like, you know, like, show every, do everything through it by example and through example of, like, showing them, like, you know, this is why you need to save money. This is why you don't have to spend money on things you don't need. This mm-hmm. is how you this is how you use money to your benefit and to your advantage. And that's why I don't try to buy stuff, like I said, excessively because mm-hmm. Mia watches that. Yeah. And I don't want her to think, oh, every time I go to the store, I need to get this. I need to get a piece of candy. I need to do that. No. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you don't need to do that. Treat yourself as a real thing because I think that as black women, we deserve to, like, take care of ourselves and we yeah. deserve to treat ourselves. And so, you know, if you have... If you but, decide that you set aside that money, you want to go buy yourself an expensive-ass coat, then go do that. But don't do it in excess, you know? Well, we also need to learn that treating yourself doesn't always have to be financial. It doesn't. It might, have, might be taking a few extra minutes, hours for yourself a day, setting aside a day so you can have alone time. Uh, you know, That's important. Like that. I'm glad you said that. It's very, yeah. very important. I think if we can do that, too, that it'll be a shift in culture about how – we treat ourselves, how we use our money to, like, our health and to our benefit. And that's something I'm just now learning, too. Like, I can stay in the house and have fun. Mm-hmm. I can watch Netflix in the bed. And I don't cost shit. I have definitely tried I already to paid for all that. Paid exactly. for my electricity. <laughs> paid for my, paid my rent. Yeah. Paid everything else. Paid for the detergent to wash my sheets so I can lay in clean sheets. Yeah. So I think that um, if we can kind of, like, collectively as a culture and as a community start thinking about self-care in a way that does not include always – 
Like, you don't have to go and buy yourself a fucking $60 steak dinner. Like, Mm-mm. that's cool to do sometimes. And you deserve to do that sometimes, but, like, you don't have to do that every time it's time to treat yourself. Yeah. Um. So what else? Oh, I want to revisit what we were talking about, poverty and how that kind of influences the way that people think about relationships. I had a friend in college, and she grew up, like, in southeast Texas, like, close to Houston, Lamar, Nacogdoches, mm-hmm. that area. And she grew up very poor, and she dated this guy that was, like, super, super paid. Like, he was – his parents were, like, rich when we were in college. And her family got mad at her because she broke up with him. And it's because when she explained it to me, she's like, you know, she's like, I grew up in a very, very poor environment. And she was like, you know, he was kind of like – my family kind of saw him, even though I'm in college. And this is the thing. This is the crazy part. She was in college. She was double majoring in chemistry and biology. She's mm. in medical school now. Mm. Like, she's going to have money. Yeah. She's going to have her. She was always going to have, yeah. you know, like, her shit together. And she was always going to be able to take care of herself. But because his parents were, like, wealthy, like, old money wealthy, her family was really upset that she dumped him because they felt like he was her ticket he was a to, like, social, financial and social yeah. mobilization upwards. Yeah. And so when she broke up with him, they they were hot at her. Like, they didn't, her mom didn't talk to her for a few weeks and shit. Like, that's messed up. They was, like, <laughs> mad at her. She's like, you believe this shit? And it, it really boiled down to the fact that, like, because he had money, he felt like he could do, um, you know, kind of, like, talk to her however. And she was just always, like, you know, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. like when they broke up, he was like, "I found your ass in the gutter," and said all sorts of like. Crazy oh, so he's on that kind of shit. Yeah, he was on that kind of shit, and I like, was just kind of like, peasant. He's like, oh, let me yeah, down he's and help you know, you. he's king, whoever, and you're like the peasant that he rescued. I'm just nah. kind of like, no, like that's not what's happening here. And I'm like, you realize she's like pre med, like she's like she's taken care of, like mm-hmm. no matter what, she's gonna be straight. So, um, yeah, I always thought that was really interesting. Um, red flags for me, like, yeah. So I can't stand people who spend their money uh, whack and don't spend it in a responsible way. Um, I can't stand people who have no hustle. I really don't like that, who don't have no fire up under them, just because I've been in situations where I've worked four jobs at a time, Mm -hmm. but my bills were paid. I had, you know, money to blow because I was like, no matter what, I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to go bartend. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go teach these damn college classes. I'm going to work at this nonprofit. I'm going to do whatever else I can do on the side. I'm going to sell some clothes to Plato's Closet. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure I have money to pay my bills and that I don't have to be self-dependent or dependent on somebody else because I am not utilizing all of my resources the way that I know that I can utilize my resources. So I can't stand nobody who doesn't have any hustle, and I can't stand a motherfucker without ambitions. I'm just kind of like, at the end of the day, what do you really want for yourself? Like, what is, what life do you want for yourself? Mm-hmm. If you plan to have children, what life do you want for your children? Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I always think of the world as like, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and a lot of the times, either you're the dog or you're the hydra. Sometimes you get pissed on, and sometimes you do the pissing. But I think if we think about life in those terms, you kind of have to give yourself an upper advantage. And the upper advantage is not always money. I think that I look at sometimes relationships, I'm like, you know, like, why aren't you even attempting to do what you love? Like, you get up every day and you hate your job. Yeah. You hate your job, but you keep going to it every day. And I'm just kind of like, you know, doing the same thing, you know, and expecting results is insanity. So, like, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you really doing with your life, you know? Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, another question. Another question. Oh, my phone is, like, on the last leg of life. <laughs> I got a new phone a couple weeks ago, so it's not dying as fast as the other one was. This one, like, I can be on 20% for, like, a whole day, and it'll be okay. All right. So this last question, we've talked about this throughout, um, you know, the podcast, but how does capitalism harm relationships as a broad umbrella? Like, I think it puts a great amount of stress on relationships because there's just so much emphasis on how much money you have, what you can buy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really do think it puts a great amount of stress on men Mm -hmm. because of what they're expected to provide Mm -hmm. at certain times in their lives. And if they're not there, you know, it makes them feel like a failure. They're they're inadequate. Um, 
but specifically relationships, I think you just have to, like I said, it varies by person. You have to be able to look past somebody's situation and see if they have that potential that you're looking for in a potential mate. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, you know, I don't think you should judge anybody when they're in their mess. Everybody has a mess. Sometimes. Everybody has a season. Yeah. And you just have to be willing to work with that person. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything that you said. I think capitalism does place a great amount of stress. First off, I think it places a great amount of stress on men to be like these hyper earners who can, mm -hmm. you know, buy everything all at once. Like, of course I can go and buy $500 of groceries today. No problem. Of course I can pay my $2,000 ass rent. No yeah. problem. Of course I can pay, you know, Two car combined. payments and childcare and yeah. buy new clothes every month and yeah. all that. I think it puts a very unneeded amount of stress on men to be like these hyper, hyper earners. I think in turn that creates a lot of stress in relationships that when men are not earning as much as the women they're with or are not earning the same amount as they are or earning way, way less, um, it, it creates, you know, it reinforces these gender stereotypes. Yes. First off, that the woman shouldn't be making that much mm -hmm. and that she needs to, you know, like, you know, in some way humble herself. And then it also, I think it creates, like, you know, this unneeded sense of insecurity in men. Like, you mm -hmm. don't, you know, like, it is what it is. Like, everybody has their I mean, season. Back in the day, that's what it was. Women didn't have access to all the resources that we do now. We couldn't work. We mm -hmm. couldn't go to school. We, you know, passed high school or whatever. But those things have changed. Those doors have opened for us. So I feel like you're doing your partner a disservice if you're not helping bringing that bag you know what i'm saying yeah our, our economy it's just that way now there's rarely a household that has one parent working or one spouse or one partner working you know i'd be on the internets uh <laughs> looking through the blogs and you know my background is in history and gender and what i'm studying now is sociology um and in particular i don't really look at i look at capitalism in the sense that like i look at capitalism through the lens of like the prison industrial complex but I look at capitalism broadly because it does affect literally every facet of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talk about capitalism and we talk about relationships in particular, what's always interesting is uh, these conversations that these traditionalists and these like fundamentalist Christians are having about how women need to return to their place and return to the home for the good of the children and stop mm -hmm. taking the jobs from the men. No. Now, this is the thing. It's like this conversation has happened in so many different instances in history. Like a really great example is when you talk about World War II, all the men were gone. They all mm -hmm. got drafted to go fight in Europe and to go fight in North yeah, Africa. Yeah, and so the women had to pick up the slack. So the women picked up the slack, and, like, the women started picking up the slack, and they picked up the slack for, like, half a decade. They were mm -hmm. working jobs, building yeah. cars, like, keeping, literally keeping the American economy the fuck afloat. Yeah. And so they liked their jobs. They mm -hmm. found out I like working. I mm -hmm. like making money. This gives me a sense of empowerment. My whole life does not have to revolve around being barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. And so once they started doing that, the main criticism they got from men is like, well, now the men are hungry. You need to go back and you need to have. And that's how, that's actually how, that's how the baby boomer generation got here. Yeah. The women had to go back home. And the you first day their husband got pregnant. Yeah, they went home, got pregnant, started popping out babies. And. I, I think there's nothing wrong with like traditionally wanting that for yourself, especially for black women, because I think when we talk about black women and we talk about women of color who have not had the privilege to stay at home and haven't had the privilege to work. We were uh, discouraged from having a lot yeah. of kids. No, we we weren't supposed to they be having children. They pushed the abortion agenda on us strong. Well, they you know? want us, you know, I, I strongly believe that. And oh, I, I strongly agree that anybody should have a choice of what to do with their body. Oh, absolutely. But they did. They pushed abortions on black women. They didn't want us reproducing. Well, they don't want us reproducing. There's that. And then also the reason that they're not they're not outlawing abortion today is because they want to put all these black babies in these prisons they're building to mm -hmm. keep these corporations afloat. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're not going to outlaw abortion. Mm -hmm. No, they want us to have our babies. Now, if Sarah living in suburban wherever is having an abortion or pursuing an abortion, that's who they don't want having abortions. They want her to have her baby. Mm -hmm. They want her to have her pure white baby because, you know, her baby is special. Even if she got pregnant by mistake, her baby's a beautiful mistake. But mm -hmm. if we got pregnant, if any uh, woman of color gets pregnant, you're a fuck up, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Why are you pregnant? Go to the abortion clinic immediately. And I do believe that when we talk about reproductive justice, um, 
everyone should have a choice and whatever the choice is, then you should make that choice. I absolutely believe that. But I think that there are definitely forces working in both directions that are telling black women to either abort their babies for bad reasons or to keep their babies for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, self-care, like the Afia Center, has, has billboards all over Dallas saying self-care can sometimes be abortion. If you have X That's amount true. of kids and your doctor refuses to tie your twos mm-hmm. and you know damn well that you can afford your sixth child, then you should have access to an abortion. And nobody should say shit to you about that. Mm-hmm. If your health is in uh, danger, you should have access to an abortion. If you just don't fucking want a baby. For any reason. For any reason at all. Like, <laughs> you should have, a- you you should should have, have access. that choice. If you're not mentally stable, because I think a lot of the time we talk about that too, like there are women who don't have access to abortions who are not mentally stable. Like that, people mm-hmm. don't, I don't hear that conversation enough. Yeah. I don't hear that dialogue enough. Women yeah. who aren't mentally stable enough or who are suffering from mental illness and they cannot care, they're not capable of, you know, caring for a child. Yeah. You know, that's that's serious issue. Like, that's a reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think capitalism places this really stressful and stress-inducing need on people to the point that we're working ourselves to death. We neglect everything for the bad. We neglect our health. We neglect yep. our families. Yep. Everything for our earning ability. Everything to be able to go out and do these things that we feel are going to better, you know, increase our earning potential. Um, you know, I'm pursuing a doctoral program right now. That's a lot. It's a lot of work. I don't get to spend a lot of time with my child throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I pick her up from daycare. We sing songs in the morning when I take her to daycare. I pick her up from daycare. We sing songs again. She comes home. She takes her nap. <laughs> get her up. Give her a bath. Feed her. We play a little bit. But, like, I don't feel like – I feel like a lot of the time I could be spending with her. I don't get to spend with her. And on the flip side, I feel like because I'm pursuing a doctoral degree, I'm doing it for her because I can give her the best life that she can potentially have. Well, I mean, that's how you should think about it, that you're doing this for her so eventually you will have that time. You'll have that freedom. Yeah, that's like... at least you're doing it while she's little because she's not going to remember this. Child, I'm trying to be done by the time she's five or six so we can spend the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives having fun. But, you know, this is an issue I think a lot of women face. We are, especially when you talk about motherhood and single moms, um, them working so many different jobs and like extensive like working 70 80 hour work weeks mm. just to be able to provide for their children but not actually getting to reap the benefit of actually being a mother by getting to spend time with your child right and i think that capitalism plays a very large role in that and i think that um when we talk about romantic relationships and we talk about family units i think absolutely men are not social men are like you know shunned and they're sanctioned a little bit for walking away from a family but let a woman walk away from her family Oh, it's not happening. The there, she's you know mm-hmm. the scum of the earth. So, all right, all right. Um, I think we can go ahead and wrap up our episode. This was fun. This is a shorter episode, fun. but it's cool because I can make an announcement. I plan to start actually releasing more than one episode per month now, so we can do shorter episodes. But thank you guys so much for tuning into the Slay Less Show. Remember, you can find me on Instagram at the Slay Less Show. That's S L A Y Y Y E S T E Show. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at The Slay Less Show. And I can't wait to talk to you guys some more as we continue on our journey of talking about capitalism and the unique and the complex ways it affects our lived experiences. Thank you for tuning in.